welcome to episode four of Cave Woman Debugging. This is a podcast about iOS development tips and tricks, and I'm your host, Laura. I am going to talk about something today that I wasn't planning on, but kind of fell into my lap because I spent the past day and a half fighting a coding problem that I had run into while I was working on one of my apps, and I thought it would make a good case study in how to take a problem that you're struggling with, try to apply some techniques and and tricks, and hopefully figure it out without it taking weeks and weeks. So I, yesterday was um, working on redoing some of the preferences screens on my app AlphaTalk and wanted to have a table view that had some cells that when you tapped on the cell, it would just basically make the cell bigger, add some controls to it so you could configure some parameters and tap it again, close it back up. The idea being you wouldn't need to push to another view controller, you just, or another screen, you just right there in line in the table view, expand it, fix something, unexpand it. Seemed simple enough, and I knew that with iOS 8, they had added some dynamic sizing features to table views and table view cells, so I thought, oh, this should be possible. And in my sometimes when I'm experimenting with something like this, what I'll do is I'll start a brand new Xcode project to test out the idea. The uh, single view Xcode project template is your friend. It just gets you up and running really fast. You have a storyboard, you have a view controller, you can plop some stuff down and start playing. So that's what I did here too. You, you have faster build times, you don't have over all the overhead of um, your current project. So in general I tend to do that with Objective-C. I keep thinking that I should be doing those in Swift just as a way to get used to using Swift, but honestly when you're in the middle of trying to figure something out, probably throwing in a whole different language at the same time isn't the best idea, so I stick with Objective-C because that's what I know. So searching Apple's documentation on dynamic table view cell sizes didn't turn up a whole lot. You search for the word dynamic, you get all kinds of things related to UIKit dynamics and not table views. So then I go to CocoaPods website, CocoaPods.org, and do a search for expandable table view or dynamic table view. And there's a bunch out there, but they, they, a lot of them take the approach of adding an extra cell beneath the current cell. And this is actually an approach I've used in AlphaTalk itself if to do basically the same thing. I just, it, but you have to be careful with that because you're adding a new cell. So you're adding something to the number of cells that the table view is representing, even though it's not a real thing. It's sort of a fake thing. So you have to temporarily add an extra, um, item to your table view count and then remember to remove it and keep track of how many have been expanded or not. So I was looking to take advantage of some of the new stuff in iOS 8 and do it that way because I've made the decision that AlphaTalk, the new version, is only going to support iOS 8 and higher. I think it's time. So I didn't see anything there that was really helping me out. So then I thought, well, that WWDC video was where I remembered hearing about this stuff again. So go over to ASCII.com, so A-S-C-I-I-W-W-D-C.com, which is an awesome site if you don't know about it, to search transcripts of many, many, many WWDC 
conference talks. So if you're looking for something and you can't remember, was that talk 214 and 20 to 13? Uh, who knows? So look it up there. You get a transcript and it also just tells you the name and number of the video if you want to go and watch the video on Apple's website. So I did that, read part of the transcript, actually loaded up the video, watched it again, and it was pointing me in the right direction. Using auto layout, it was, it was talking about things that I wanted to do. So I'm playing around with this, and I don't know how much, if whenever you do auto layout, maybe it's just me, but auto layout and labels sometimes gets a little tricky because labels, although they do have an intrinsic size, it's based on what the text is and the text size and... I don't know, I always have a lot of trouble with them getting them to lay out just right. Sometimes they want to compress too much or not enough. So, although what I really wanted was a UI label, you know, as, our, as sort of a sort of basic table cell, and then when you expand it to have another label and a stepper control so you could change some values, I wasn't having a lot of luck with that. So I thought I'd go to a simpler trick, which is basically just using UI views. Try to add add a UI view to the content view of a table cell. And the nice thing about UI views, they don't have a lot of baggage. You can set explicit size constraints on them and they will be that size. You don't have to worry about it doing something funny behind your back. And you can change them to be any color you want, which is the true of any other views, but it's really nice to have like some nice big red and blue and green rectangles showing up there. You really see where's the view, what's it doing, what's its size. And it just seems like a simpler use case to get started with. I started playing around with that. wasn't having a, you know, it was getting better. I was at least starting to figure out what, what rules were, auto layout rules were working. At this point, I highly recommend you use a tool, either a view inspector tool, such as the new one that's in Xcode, which is, is not bad. That one's okay. I use Reveal, um, which I really love. It's really great in letting you quickly see where your views are. <laughs> what, are what are they doing? Which one is being too big or too small? And it lets you look at the auto layout constraints as well, which is great. So because I was using auto layout and reveal, and even, I uh, whipped together a quick pod file to throw in reveal and masonry, and just because it wasn't going to make me work faster, even though it wasn't like some big end project. It was actually easier for me just to start with those two frameworks and I found that CocoaPods and having a quick pod file is the fastest way to do that. Now masonry is something I'm going to talk about in a future episode because it is an auto layout library that I just love. I have tried out a lot of them over the past few years because I really wanted to love auto layout and masonry is a thing that's made me want to use it all the time and in fact I'd rather use masonry in writing code rather than using um, interface builder and doing it graphically. Although that's gotten a lot better too with the newer versions of Xcode but I think it was worth it for my time if I'm going to do auto layout in code to have masonry in there. So then I come to what I'd like to call the kitchen sink approach. You've now done some Stack Overflow searching. Maybe you looked at an Array Wonderlic tutorial, and I've looked at the WWDC video, and everyone's got different suggestions for ways to make your table views, table view cells grow and be the right size. And you start trying out all con kinds of things like the preferred size, the preferred row height, the row height, new values for row height, various constraints. Eventually, you got something working. And 
that's great. You're like, whoa. But now you've got all this stuff in your code and you're not really sure is it all of it necessary or not. So then I do the unclogging the kitchen sink um, process, which basically is kind of a binary search kind of approach where you just don't take out a line. Did this help? Did it, you know, did this matter or not? And start trying to really trim it down so that you've got the bare minimum of what you need in order to make the behavior you want work. Because it's sometimes easy to turn on a bunch of maybe auto layout or um, resizable masks and things like that that are not necessary or some extra constraints that weren't really necessary because you're just sort of trying everything. You're trying to do anything that'll make it work. And eventually you stumble upon the most important things. And those are good lines to throw some comments on and say, look, don't ever not do this because this is the thing that makes it all work. And it usually is just that one line of things, that one line, that one key little thing that you needed to do. And for me, there were actually, there were two, two tricks to make this work. Basically, I could resize the cell and I could make the constraints work correctly. I could make the cell, when it started up, be larger based on the contents of the cell. But in order to change it at runtime, what I really needed to do was call reload data after I'd put the new views in the table cell and had changed the constraints so that the cell got bigger. And when you think about it, this makes sense. When you are changing the size of a table cell, then it's going to affect the layout of all the table cells that come after it. They all need to be shifted down. And since I'm doing this for a preference and screen, I don't have a huge table and it's the cost to do this reload data is pretty small. So I just, when you tap on the cell, I add some extra views with some new constraints and then call reload data and done. It worked. So once I had that working with plain old UI views and felt pretty good about that, then I started bringing back in the labels and the steppers and seeing if they presented any additional problems. For the most part, they didn't. I'm still having some problems with um, the, if the label has a super long string that might want to wrap or get truncated. It's not quite behaving properly, but I don't think it's going to be a problem just because these are short little one-line preference um, values that are going to be in this table that I'm not going to worry about that right now. I would like to have solved that, but I'm at some point you also have to realize when you're falling down a rabbit hole and you may never <laughs> you never figure it out. So if you get the basic behavior you want, um, it's good to go. So now I've got a nice subclass of a UI table view cell that will expand and contract when you tap on it to show extra fields. I will be able to take this, dump it back into my real project, and I think that one of the nice things to do would be if I took my sample code and made a blog post about it, maybe put it on GitHub, just because this is not something that I, it's not like I found a project that, that did exactly what I wanted to do. So I may try to do that as well. So I think the sort of the, my moral of this story is that basically if you're, if you're stuck in something on a problem, putting together a quick one-off project, um, is a good idea. It keeps your skills fresh. It's like we don't often start a brand new project every single day. Once you've been working on something for a while, you can get kind of bogged down in the minutia of that specific feature that you're working on and you forget, oh yeah, that's how I create a brand new table view or I need to do this, you know, these delegate and data source methods. It just helps to remind you, keeps your skills fresh, I think, rather than, um, doing it once and forgetting about it and not doing it again for months and months or years. So it keeps you fresh. I think 
hopefully in the future, the idea of playgrounds should start replacing the need to create a new project all the time, but playgrounds are not as interactive as I'd like. And so for me right now, the fastest and easiest thing is to just create a new Xcode project and, and give it a try. So for the fun stuff, I was going to uh, link to some songs that I think are great for dance party breaks when your Apple Watch tells you to stand up and you've been coding for too long, but I heard a song on the radio this morning that I really, really loved and forgot I had had in my library, and it's Javelin, written by Michael Tork. Um, it was written for the Atlanta Olympics, and it feels like it has that style of that modern American composer, which I really love. It makes you feel like you're standing on a podium. Um, it's a, it's an awesome, uplifting song, so put a shout-out to that. I'm still reading Terry Pratchett. I think I'm going to be reading Terry Pratchett for a long time. Still on the second book, like Fantastic. Enjoying it, but I only read at night, and I'm moving pretty slowly through it. And same for gaming. Not a lot new there. I'm still playing Song Pop, kind of addicted to it right now. And my username is ne.ribbon. R-I-B-B-O-N, if you feel like challenge me to an 80s playlist. I've come to realize that I thought I knew Madonna pretty well, but really I don't know any of her stuff past 2005, so starting to learn some new Madonna, but uh, Song Pop's a lot of fun. So happy coding, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.